0: Bibles up if you have them uh, to a short passage. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs chapter 13 today in verse 20. So Proverbs 13:20 is where we'll be and we're really going to mainly stick with that text today which has a lot to teach us in and of itself about friendship. Uh, I don't know how many of you track along with all the uh, random holidays or national day of such and such that have developed uh, in recent years. It's gotten kind of ridiculous, uh, to be honest, to where it's hard to keep track. Uh, But I was remembering late yesterday, vaguely, that there was something I thought I had heard of called Friendship Day. Uh, And I, I Googled it. I looked it up. I could not for the life of me place when it was. And to my surprise, when I Googled it, guess what day? is Friendship Day in our country. It is today. Uh, this is, a, Believe it or not, you probably did not know that if you're anything like me. Uh, and I think that's telling to us. It was a holiday or a day that some greeting card companies tried to create about 100 years ago that never really stuck. It never really uh, caught on the same way that things like Valentine's Day or others, other days have. But today is Friendship Day. And so in God's providence, uh, he had us today to see what his word has to say from this verse about friendship. I actually think it's sort of interesting. We don't know when Friendship Day is. We know very well, I hope, if we're in a romantic relationship when Valentine's Day is. We know when that is uh, full well because our culture celebrates uh, romantic relationships, celebrates relationship between a man and a woman, but friendship is something that is not nearly as appreciated. It's not nearly as valued, uh, celebrated in our culture and even in Christian circles, I would say that's true, that that we don't talk about friendship much. We live in it and we we do that for one another, but we rarely will take time and talk about it or see what God's word has to say about what it means to have friends and be a friend and why God has made us that way in the first place. So uh, today we will seek to alleviate that and to bring help to us from the word about friendship and and what uh, Solomon has to say to us from this text, from Proverbs 13, 20. Uh, this has been a theme, if, if you've read through Proverbs, maybe some this summer, if you've read through it before, you know that friendship comes up often uh, in the book of Proverbs. Like right from the beginning, Solomon, the king, the dad who's writing all of this wisdom to his kids, he talks about friends right from the get-go. You read chapter one, and he's like cautioning his children against making foolish friends. And he's saying, um, verse 15 of chapter one, "My son, do not walk in the way with them." And so, and then he brings up over and over all these little nuggets spread throughout the book of Proverbs about what it means to be a good friend and what to look for in other friends. And so, we're going to be in one of them, maybe one uh, of the most prominent and well-known today in Proverbs 13:20. So, I'm going to read this for us, and uh, it's short, so I'd encourage you to follow along because you'll miss it if, if you don't. And we'll refer back to it and, and guide, be guided through it uh, through the course of the sermon. But Proverbs 13, 20, Solomon wrote this for his sons, and God now would speak this to us as his children. He said this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh, this is, it's very straightforward. There's not a lot of mystery to what this proverb means. He, he's trying to, in all these sayings you see get piled up in the book of Proverbs, usually with each one, he's trying to describe something that's true about our world. Some principle, some way our world functions, generally, maybe not every single time, but in general, how our world functions. And here, he's making a statement about how friendships function, how relationships function with us as human beings. And if I had to boil down what he's saying here into an even more concise way, that I would say is the general principle of this proverb, it would be this, that we become like those we befriend. We become like those we befriend. Uh, It's very obvious what he's trying to get at in this text. He says, whoever walks with the wise, what's the effect that that has on them? If they're walking with the wise, they become wise. So they start to look more and more like the people, the wise people that they're spending time with, that they're getting to know. But he says, the companion of fools, so like when we become a companion of foolish people, he says the result is that we will suffer harm. We're going to become more and more like the fools that we're interacting with, like the people who don't love the Lord. We're going to become more like them in their actions, but also in the consequences that come to us. The, the harm that comes to them as fools is going to start to come to us as well, because we're going to start living in the same ways. We're going to start living out the same patterns of life that they do. And so I I would say that that we become like those we befriend, typically. The ones we spend time with are the ones we become like. And you know this if you've been on our planet very long and you start to pay attention to the world. You see this in your own life and you see it in other people too, don't you? If you start to observe that when somebody starts hanging out with other people, they become like those people. It may be a slow process, but inevitably it happens that, that we become like the people we befriend. Uh, If you move into a new part of the country, maybe you move to Texas and everybody wears, I guess, I've not been to Texas much, but maybe everybody wears boots and hats and whatever, like you slowly start to maybe adapt the clothes that they wear. Uh, Definitely if you move to another nation, it's an entirely different wardrobe. You start to slowly wear what the people wear in that place. Uh, When you um, move to a new place and you start to be around a group of people that use different phrases, that use different words, that you maybe aren't even used to using, you start to use those phrases, do you not? College dorms are like exhibit A of this. Like there's little catch phrases that people use that others start to latch on to. An example I thought of even for myself, I grew up in central Indiana and I moved not too far, but about two hours south to be around Louisville, Kentucky. And, uh, When you cross the Ohio River, there's something like where uh, everybody starts saying y'all. There's a lot of other stuff too, like drink sweet tea and things like this. But slowly I started to hear so many people say y'all that I just started to say that. And I still have it, even though I haven't lived there in a decade, I still will say that at times. And it's not like I set out like, you know what? this is a useful word. Like, I'm going to start saying y'all. I just started doing it because I heard everybody saying it. I started doing it. So even in our language, we start to become like the people that were around. I even, when I moved up here to northern Indiana seven years ago, I slowly but surely, and this is like sacrilegious, I know, but I have converted from being a Reds fan to a Cubs fan. And a lot of it, some people are grateful for that. Some people might hate me for that. Uh, but I was around so many people, especially Jordan Weddle, who works here at church, who's a huge Cubs fan, that I just slowly started liking the Cubs and have become a Cubs fan. you see this in all sorts of parts of life, even like married couples. There really is research that shows that the longer that you're married together and you spend year after year, decade after decade together, there's even small ways that you start to even look like one another, like facial gestures and ways you move your mouth and things like this, that you become like the people that you spend time with. And this can be for good, We all have seen that, I hope, in friendships, that there's good that can come to us. There's good traits that can get passed on to us and rubbed off on us. But this text from Proverbs would also show us that there's a lot of negative effect that those friendships, that those befriending of people can have on us as well. Like, it's not just that we can sharpen each other and that we can make each other more useful for the Lord, but there's also this real effect that happens all the time where fellow human beings weaken one another. Where we dole each other, where we pull others away from the Lord rather than pressing each other to Him. And so we become like those we befriend in good ways, but also in bad ways. That's why He says that whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools suffers harm. And so this is a statement. This is a proverb that's generally true of life. And so Solomon, I believe, wants his sons, the reason he's making this observation, he's wanting them to see this, hey, you become like the people you're around, is he wants them to be careful about the friends that they choose for themselves. That's why he's telling it. He's not just sharing it to be an interesting tidbit of an observation of life. He's saying this is true. People rub off on one another. So be careful about who the friends are that you choose for yourself, who you surround yourself in life with. And so I want to share a couple maybe principles or implications that come out of that idea from this text that we become like those we befriend. A couple very simple things I think Solomon was trying to convey to his kids about the way to, to live and the way that God would call us to live as well. And, we, and as a start, typically when we're talking about friendships and the way that this effect can take place between friends, we often start by saying what friends to avoid right? That's where our mind goes first, is like all the dangers, all the, the minefield that you're walking through with people who are fools and how it, it can have this terrible effect on you. That's where our mind typically goes, especially as parents, like we want to be protective and caution kids against those things. But where this text starts is by telling us the type of friends to pursue, Uh, Before we're even told the type of friends to avoid, we're told the good type of friend to pursue. And the first implication, I would say this, is very simply, is to befriend the wise. To befriend the wise. That's almost verbatim what Solomon is telling his sons here, is to befriend the wise. He says uh, that whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. And so we're to befriend those types of people, to befriend wise people. But before I talk about what that means, who are the wise people, how do you befriend them, I want to first address what is a more foundational issue that I think I need to address in my own heart, and maybe many of you do as well, is that before we even think about what type of friends we need, we need to acknowledge the fact that we need friends. Like many of us in our culture are so isolated from true Friends. Like we live in digital worlds or we go to our work and we come home into our, our fenced-in yards or into our, our garage and we don't talk to people and we just live in our own bubble and we forget that we were made for friendship, that we were made to need friends. There was an article in the Boston Globe recently, and the title of it was this. It said that the biggest threat facing middle-aged men is, is not smoking or obesity, It's loneliness. That's not as true of middle-aged men. I think that's true of all age demographics and both genders in our nation is that the biggest threat to us or one of them at least isn't health concerns. It's not that we're going to get sick. It's that we're lonely. we don't have friends like we we make comments on social media and we see people all the time but we don't actually have friends we have acquaintances we have people uh, that we're familiar with but not people we're opening our soul to that we're actually sharing our lives with and talking to and learning from we need to acknowledge first that we need friends you need friends I need friends every single one of us do And you look back at the beginning of the Bible when God made human beings. Do you remember what God said in the Garden of Eden even before sin messed everything up? He had made Adam first and he had not yet made Eve. And God said, he looked at the whole good creation and the one thing he said that it is not good, said it is not good that man should be alone. And so I'll make a, a helper, a companion suitable for him. And so when God looked at humans, he knew he had made us to need other humans. Uh, He had made us in his image, right? I don't know if you've thought about this before, but even within God, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Even within God, there is friendship. Have you ever thought about that? There's different persons who are loving one another, who are, are caring for one another, who are working together. And so when God made us, In His image, He made us to need the same, to need friends, to benefit from friends, to work together, to have companions, because that is how He works. That's how Father, Son, and Spirit works. So we were made for friendship, and we need to acknowledge that first. And so he says in this text that, that we need to befriend the wise. Those are the type of friends that we should be looking for, is that we need to identify who the wise are in our life. Okay, I need friends. I need wise friends. What does that mean? Who are wise people? Well, what we typically look for in friends when we're trying to scan our workplace, or our neighborhood, or our school, and we're looking for friends, the things we typically look for aren't wisdom, The things we typically look for are maybe people who are like us, people who have similar interests. They like the same activities that I do. They enjoy the same food that I do, the same music that I do. Maybe they're around the same age as me. Uh, we, We try to find people who are like us. Or we look more simply for people who like us, like people who compliment us, people who make us feel good about ourselves and praise us and think very highly of us. Or you see through the book of Proverbs, when we're looking for friends, we often are just looking for people who will benefit us, if we're honest. Like people who are going to give me an opportunity, they're going to give me a leg up, they're going to give me gifts, they're going to open up doors for me. That's what we're looking for in friends. And those things aren't necessarily bad, but they are not what wisdom is. They are not wise. People can have all those things and not be wise. They can be foolish people that you ought to avoid. J.C. Ryle, a a pastor who wrote a book called Dots for Young Men, which we have in our our resource center, he wrote this. He said, speaking to young men, and this would go for all of us, he said, I advise you to be careful in your choice of friends. Do not open all your heart to a person merely because he or she is clever, agreeable, good-natured, and kind. These things are all very good, but they are not everything Never be satisfied with the friendship of anyone who will not be useful to your soul. And so he was, he was calling us to look for more than just humor and, and shared interests. He was calling us to look for people who are good for our soul, people who are wise. And what the wise are, when you look through Proverbs, it's very simply, it's people who are fearing the Lord. It's people who are seeking to live their life in the way God has called them to live. It's not a complicated thing to look for. When you're looking for wise friends, you're looking for people who fear God and who are seeking to obey Him and to follow Him with their life. And so often when we look for friends, we look for somebody that we can enjoy. And somebody, a few pastors that I've read this week have made a distinction between romantic type of relationships And friendship and one helpful way they described is that often when we think of romantic relationships you have two people and what they enjoy doing most is facing each other talking about each other like man you are beautiful you're funny oh I enjoy time with you like like it's this banter back and forth speaking about one another enjoying each other in a romantic relationship but when it comes to friendship Rather than facing each other, our orientation is to face out at something else or at someone else together. There's something outside of us that we enjoy together, a same interest, the same treasure, the same uh, thing that we enjoy. I, I was thinking of the, the uh, boy and girl at the end there. Uh, they have their red bike that they enjoyed fighting over. Right? That their friendship wasn't about, hey, I just enjoy you, but it, there's a task, there's a thing that they're enjoying together. And that's why you don't gain friends. You don't befriend people by just going up to them and saying, Will you be my friend? Like, that doesn't work. Like, that's not how friendships develop. Friendships come when you see, man, you're enjoying, you're watching the same thing I am. You're enjoying the same person or thing that I am. And you come up to them and you say more, Oh, you too? Like, you you, you are enjoying the same things I do. And that's how friendships begin. And as believers, we ought to have a shared enjoyment of the Lord a shared enjoyment of Christ that I can come up to any Christian and say, you too? Like you you enjoy Christ as well. You love him. Maybe you like the Reds and I like the Cubs or you like musicals and I hate them or whatever. But we, we love Christ together. We look at him together. A friendship can be and ought to be established on that. Friends could be Peers of yours, they could be older than you. They could be younger than you. They, they could be within your family. Your spouse ought to be your friend if God's given you a husband or a wife. Your sibling could be your friend. Your roommate could be your friend, your coworker, your parent. There are many people in our community, many people in this room who love the Lord that you can and ought to befriend. And we're called to walk with them, right? That, that's this poetic way Solomon says, walk with the wise. It's this idea of, of, of spending serious time with them, of listening to them, learning with them, learning from them. It's not just, hey, we're side by side, just passively enjoying video games or something like that. It's like, man, there, there's a mingling of our souls. There's a, a, a talk, at least on some level, that's serious about life and about Christ. And I, I wanna help you and you can help me to do that and I would I want to say this well. we need real life friends not just digital friends uh, there's a, a lot of gain that comes in our world from having digital communications with people um, but you need real life friends People you can actually look in the eye and that can look you in the eye, that can talk to you, that can level with you, that can challenge you, that can cry with you and you actually see their tears, Uh, that can laugh with you and you actually hear their laugh, that can sing with you and sit next to you in church and you actually hear their voice. Like You need real life friends. I would encourage you, if you're not involved uh, in a life group within our church, that's one avenue that you can have real life friends within the people of God. And I would encourage you as the school year is starting back up to seek to be involved. Talk to one of the pastors about how you can be involved in a life group. I think that is a way that you will be able to befriend the wise. And you will become more wise by doing so. That's what this text is telling you. The more you befriend wise people, the wiser you will become yourself so the first thing was to befriend the wise from the first part of verse 20 whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the second thing i would want to say and that solomon would want us to see is that there's a lot of negative effect that friendships can have upon us as well and with the second part of this verse i think he would say i would say it this way is not just to befriend the wise but to beware of fools when it comes to friendship. Beware of fools when it comes to friendship. This warning comes back over and over in the book of Proverbs. This, this warning to not become too close with those who are fools. To not become close, close companions and friends with people who do not love the Lord. Because Solomon wants readers to see, he wants his sons to see and us to see that harm comes like when we live as fools and we start to be around people who are fools, we start to live like them and it's not an innocent activity. There is harm that comes to us. There, there's pain that comes to us when we're living contrary to the Lord's ways. There's suffering, there's emptiness, there's betrayal, there's, there's hurt that comes when we seek to live in foolish ways and when people's foolish ways rub off on us. There is harm that comes. And when I say beware of fools and when Solomon talks about fools, we use that word to talk about people who are like just goofy or silly or naive, things like that. But when Solomon talks about fools, he is talking about people who have an orientation away from God. They do not have a fear of him. They do not have a regard for him. That is what a fool is. That is who you are to avoid having close friendships with. Because there are people uh, that, that are fools that are incredibly smart, that are incredibly slick, that, that you could enjoy being around. They have good personalities. They're, they're pleasant dispositions, but they could be fools nonetheless that, that are walking away from the Lord. And Solomon would say, avoid close friendships with them. Beware of them. And the harm that comes, the, the suffering that comes to us is not just in this life when we associate with fools. When we start to adopt their ways, there is pain that comes to the lives of those who live foolishly here and now, even this side of the grave. But there is suffering that is way worse on the other side of the grave for those who are fools and who reject the Lord. There is suffering that far surpasses just broken friendships or mistreatment or hurt or abandonment we feel from fellow humans. There is suffering and wrath of God that comes down upon those who reject him and who live life as fools. And Solomon wants to wake us up into the fact, the reality that if we start following after fools and we start becoming like them, there is not just pain in this life, but there is judgment that will come on the other side of the grave that you cannot undo and that you cannot get out of. And so he's saying beware of them. Don't have too close of connections with them. He, said, he, he doesn't say don't talk to them. He, he says don't be their companion. Don't be close to them. Don't be so near to them that they have become your closest friends, your confidants, your, your, your friends that you spend the most time with. There's a tendency amongst young people, and I remember myself saying things like this or at least thinking uh, this, but I, I know this perseveres and even into adulthood, where we think, we swear that we will be the exception to this, that I will not be impacted by them, Mom. I will not be impacted by them, Dad. I will not be affected by that. Uh, whoever fill in the blankets seeking to caution me about my friends, I am strong. Like, I, I can overcome their evil with my good. Like, that's how strong I am. It, I, it's not going to happen in reverse. And we need to wake up to what Solomon, the wisest man who had lived in his day, and what the Holy Spirit more so says, that the companion of fools will suffer harm. That is how the world unfolds, that if you surround yourself with people who do not love the Lord, you will more than likely, you will in some ways at minimum, you will become like them. That their ungodliness will rub off on you far sooner than your godliness will rub off on them. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 said that bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. And we we are fools ourselves if we enter into friendship thinking I can just enjoy a friendship with this person and we're forgetting no. Friendship is oriented towards other things. And if this friend that I want to be close to is oriented towards the things of the world and they are running away from the Lord, I am slowly going to be observing them do that and slowly my orientation is going to become the same. And I never intended for it. I never set out for it. But just by observation and by spending time with them, that is what happens in our world. God has made us to be affected by the people we spend time with. and We are not to ignore we are not to reject them and shame them and say, I, I'm just going to be in my Christian bunker and only talk to my Christian friends. But when it comes to your closest friends, I don't care if you're five in this room or you are 80. When it comes to your closest friends, I think I can say with confidence upon the word of God that those closest friends of yours ought to be people who are following Christ. You can have friendships with people that are not, but they ought to not be your closest friends, your dearest friends that you spend the most time with. You ought to have relationships with them so that you can encourage them, you can help them, you can share the gospel with them, but they ought to not be your closest confidants. That is what the people of God are for. We are facing Christ together and can press each other more and more towards Him. Some of you in the room, some of us in the room, may need to today and in this season ahead as we kind of reorient with the school year starting we may need to reevaluate and rethink certain friendships that we've established Certain friendships that we slowly entered into that have had an effect upon us that maybe we're not running after all the things that those folks are running after. But we've had a slow deadening of our faith, a a hardening of our hearts, a, a cooling of our hearts and our affections toward Christ. And we may not have thought about why that even is, but it could be because you've surrounded yourselves with people who don't love Christ. And if those are the people that you have started dating, that you have started spending the most time with, that you've started orienting your life and your leisure time around, that is going to have an effect on you. And God would call you today to pause and evaluate and try to find friends that will press you towards him and not pull you away. Parents, I would encourage you to take up the responsibility, if you have not, to genuinely help guide your children in their selection of friends. Solomon was doing that with his children here, guiding the selection of their friends and not just throwing things up to the wind and saying, well, they'll become friends with who they want to become friends with and uh, they can connect with these people and these people, but there's a guidance of of who their friends are to be and and to to call them to pursue godly friendships and to to reevaluate those that they're drawn to that will press them away from the Lord. While I'm not naive enough to think that all of our children's ministries and student ministries programs are just filled with wise young men and women and wise boys and girls, I would encourage you as the school year is starting to try to find ways that you can get your children more and more around the people of God, the people who have at least some sense of orientation towards a love of Christ and that will rub off on them in that way to give them an affection for him, a desire for him. There's many ways to be involved even starting in the next few weeks And kids, if you're in the room, I would encourage you, especially if you go to a school, I would encourage you to let the start of a new school year be a time where you can start to evaluate who you're spending time with as a friend who you're thinking of as my best and my closest friends and who I want to talk to. And if there's boys and girls who you know have no love for Jesus, it's not that you shouldn't talk to them or that you should avoid them or, or pretend that they're not there. You should still talk to them, but try to find boys and girls in your school who you know love Jesus and seek to get to know them. And they might not, you may love music and they may hate music and you may like uh, playing dodgeball at recess and they might like going on the swings or whatever, but try to find friends that you can talk to and get to know who loved jesus this is a wonderful time of year to reevaluate evaluate that the last thing i want to say before we go is this uh, let me say it this way that relationships are a two-way street friendships are a two-way street when we come to texts like this and when we read the book of proverbs rightfully so our first instinct is to read this and start to evaluate all my friends like, who are my potential friends and what are they, are they benefiting me? Are they pulling me away? Are they, are they making me more wise or are they making me more foolish? And we start evaluating all of our potential friends or current friends and we forget that the relationship is a two-way street, that I am a friend to other people or that I ought to be. And I'm either impacting them and making them more wise or I'm impacting them slowly but surely making them more foolish. And so the last thing I would say is this, not just to befriend the wise or to beware of fools, but very simply to be a godly friend. Be a, God doesn't just want you to have friends. God wants you to be a friend for others. Uh, friendship is not just about receiving benefits from other people and, and getting things for yourself, but it is about providing that as well others to other boys and girls to other men and women our, our friendships are not a means to an end and being a godly friend is a hard task it is, you read through Proverbs and you see man being a godly friend being a friend who's worth his or her salt for someone else and that involves patience because people including you and me are slow to learn it, 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 it requires patience it requires forgiveness Friendship is not just like pretty, clean, easy thing. There's hurt and harm that goes between us. Being a godly friend requires forgiveness. It requires selflessness, an orientation to serve and to help and say, how can I benefit you? It requires courage to have, uh, have a, a willingness to say hard things and to speak hard truths to people when they need to hear it. Being a, a godly friend is a tall task, but it, I hope this is always true in anything we talk about from the word, that God will always help us and empower us to do what he commands us to do, right? That, that, that he will enable us, he can help us to be a godly friend and to do those things. And the, the hope for us, the, the glad, the good news for us is that, I would say this way, that the best friends, the people who make the best friends are those who realize how Christ has befriended them. The people who are the best friends for others are the ones who realize the way that Christ has befriended us. We were made for friendship with one another, right? That's, we, it was not good for man to be alone, but we were also made for friendship with God. If you read back in the Garden of Eden, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That same phrase, he walked with them. God made us to be friends with him to enjoy him, to have relationship with him. But very quickly in the human race, that that went away because of our sin. And we all have chosen to reject friendship with him, to walk away from him, to become enemies of his, to become fools ourselves. But God did not end the story there. God looked at us fools. He looked at us people who had walked away from him and he said, I'm going to pursue them. I'm going to run them down. I'm going to make them my friend. And he sent Christ into our world. And Christ, when he came in, typically when one wise person comes into the presence of many, many fools, what happens? This text, typically that wise person becomes compromised and the the power of the crowd and the, the fools overpowers that wise person. They become a fool as well. But when Christ came into this world, he pressed back foolishness. He changed fools into wise people. And he said this himself in in the Gospel of John. Jesus himself said, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. When Christ looked at us fools and us enemies and people who had nothing to bring to a relationship with him, he said, I am going to die. I'm going to lay down my life upon the cross for your foolishness and your sin to make you my friends. I'm going to be raised from the dead and invite you to come with me and become friends with God the Father, to become friends with the Holy Spirit, to be restored to that relationship and that friendship that you were made for it's a sweet slander some people have called it when people called jesus a friend of sinners because he did not have to become our friend he did not have to make a way for friendship but he did by coming to this earth and laying down his life and offering us forgiveness of sins and if you have never received the friendship of christ if you walked into this room as an enemy of christ today you can leave as a friend because Christ has been crucified for your sins and risen from the dead. And he says, come, I will befriend you. I want you as a friend. I want you in the family of God. Come to me. And if you do, if you turn from your sins and say, I want friendship with you. Thank you so much. You will be his friend. And you will be his friend for eternity. And so our orientation as friends ought to follow suit as Christ did. That it's this orientation to serve and not just gain for myself, but how can I make more friends? How can I serve them? How can I take care of them and help them become more wise? That is what a Christian friend, a Christ-following friend does. In closing, I want to share this one. Uh, It seems random, but uh, it'll make sense. Uh, Something I saw on a TV show on Netflix, of all places, called Brain Games. Uh, There is an episode that they called Standing Up. And uh, you can find this on YouTube and other places. Um, But what happened, and talking about this text and saying, hey, we become like those we befriend, we become like the people we're around and that we spend time with. They did this social experiment. It had nothing to do with the Bible, but they still proved it to be true. They did this experiment in a waiting room of an eye doctor. Uh, If you've been into a waiting room, kids, you've probably been there before too. You know, like typically we maybe watch a TV show or we flip through a magazine or try to avoid contact or stay away from the sick people, Uh, we typically don't do much in there. But what they did, they stocked this room full of actors, and they put a hidden camera in it. And the actors knew, they were in on this, that that they were going to keep playing a ding noise over the speaker maybe every minute or so. And the actors knew whenever that ding went off that they were supposed to stand up. And... (laughs) So everybody's doing that. And then they have this one lady come in who doesn't know anything about that. She's just coming in for an eye exam. She comes in, sits at her seat, and the ding goes off. And like 20 people all around her just stand up. And then they sit back down. And you could imagine if that's you, she's kind of looking around like, whoa, like, what is going on here? And so that happens once. They sit back down. The ding comes again. Everybody does it again. And you really see her start to get confused uh, and be very perplexed as to what's going on. And they sit back down. The third time the ding goes off, if I remember correct, she stands up herself. Okay? So she stands up, and she, she start, then they keep doing the ding over and over and over, and she keeps standing up, keeps standing up, And then that's interesting enough that the lady becomes like the people that she's around. But what happens, they slowly have all the patients go back for their exam, uh, one by one. And meanwhile, they keep playing the ding and ding and ding. And everybody keeps standing up, including her. And eventually, she's the last one. And she's sitting there. And they're very curious, is she going to still stand up when this ding goes off, even if nobody else is there? And all the people she learned it from are gone. Is she still going to do it? And so she's sitting there, and the ding goes off, and she stands up again. She stands up again. She's been conditioned by the people that she's around to keep standing up. And that's fascinating in and of itself, but they keep pressing one more stage. And this is what I find to be the most interesting. Uh, So she's the last one. Then they slowly start to bring more patients who don't know anything about this in. One by one, like for their appointments, they come in, and they keep playing that ding. And that lady is still there, and she keeps standing. And did you know what happened? Every person who came in afterwards starts standing at the ding. Like, and there ends up being like 10 people who are just standing up uh, whenever this ding goes off. And the, what they were trying to demonstrate is like we subconsciously, we become like the people we're around if we start standing at a ding in a a waiting room of a doctor with strangers after like two minutes, how much more when we have best friends and we have people that we are close to, that we share things with, that we talk to, how much more are we going to become like them whether we want to or not? And if that is how God has made us to learn from fellow humans, to, to grow from them, we need to be surrounding ourselves with godly friends with wise friends who we can watch and we can learn with and we can start to see what does Christ want us to do? What, how does he call us to live? And I learn from you and you learn from me and we learn this together as friends. God made us to function that way, to learn from others and we need to be sensitive to that and to orient ourselves around godly friends. I'm going to invite you to stand and I'll pray for us and then leave us with a, a word of, of benediction. But Let's pray together.